Close your eyes. We're going to paint a picture in your mind. You've all been to a track meet. You're at a stadium, and the runners are in their lanes, batons in hand. And in the, in the stadium, as they look around, they see a crowd cheering them on, encouraging them with shouts of, of run fast, run hard. You can do this. You've got this. Only the persons in the crowd are all wearing runner's uniforms from different times and eras, different hairstyles, different expressions on their faces, some more serious than others. And you realize that this is a race that they have run too. Open your eyes. We're the runners today. In the 11th chapter of Hebrews, we learn about what faith means. And we learn it through evoking stories of the faithful from Hebrew scriptures, listing how many have completed part of their race, but it's not yet finished. And yet they were among the most faithful and they were among the most um, dedicated and committed, and they're the benchmarks of our history and our faith history. Abel, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets. Some embodied a faith of hope, and others as an act of obedience in the face of opposition. But each was faithful in the midst of something that was not comfortable. It was not in their comfort zone. It was not what they were used to or what they wanted. But they were there to run that race because God called them to be. So the question is, why are they in the stands cheering us on now? And the answer is, the race isn't over. Faithfulness to God is a topic that has a long history, it has a complex character, and it's all focused and epitomized and told in the story of Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3, we read, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangled let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition for sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I love that passage of Scripture. It's, it's, it's a classic. It speaks to my heart. It speaks to the faith history that I've been given, not only through my family, but through my church, my churches, as I've gone through the journey. And I can picture in the race persons from different 
churches in my mind holding the baton, how they've run the race, how they've taught me to run, and how they've taught me to move forward. I began to think about the advice that my track coach gave us, and she said, ready, set, go is not just a phrase. It's a mindset. You have to be ready to run the race, which means you have to prepare yourself. You have to go through the discipline of running. I'm not a runner. Uh, Some of y'all may be, but it's hard hard for me to get up and run, but, but we're called to get up and run sometimes. And God gives us the strength to do that, but we do it through prayer, and we do it through the Word, and we do it through the fellowship of believers. We do it through coming and worshiping and placing ourselves before God. We're to get set. We're to place ourselves in a position that we can run the race, to show up, to be there. Doesn't matter if it's raining, we're going to run the race, right? We might get wet, but we're going to run the race. It might be cold, but we're going to run the race. Conditions aren't always optimum, but we are set, we are ready, and when the mark goes, we take off. As Christians, our call to go is a call to go into the world, to tell the Word to be faithful members of the body of Christ, to give what we are to give for our leg of the race. You see, God calls each of us, as I've said, into a journey of faith. It's similar to a relay race, and and it's part of a community that's timeless. Think of all the people who have run a leg of the race before you. If they hadn't run that leg of the race, would you be where you are today? We're now the runners. We're called to run a leg of the race, and there there are people watching who are preparing to run their race. There are people who have run their race who are watching and encouraging us to keep going. And we're dependent on the victory in this race, on those who follow. So our role in running this leg of the race is important. We need to be sure that we are staying in our lane, that we are focused on what we're supposed to be focused on, that we don't drop batons along the way, that we don't do things that throw the race off. Obstacles of faith in Hebrews are referred to or compared to weights. And the challenge of enduring faith in Hebrews is not to lose heart. And let me tell you, it can get really, really easy to lose heart spiritually when things are when things are down. This week has been brutal in the news. It's, I've, I've just sort of turned it off. I, I don't want to watch it anymore. And yet I know I need to. But it's been brutal, and, and I'm trying really hard not to lose heart and not to lose faith in a world that is so dark. Thankfully, God is greater than that. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 26, we read, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. Eric Liddell is the 1928 Olympic champion, and and he was a missionary to China. 
And his summation of the race and the goal of the race is to see it through to its end. We have to have the, the end in sight. We can't just look at the now. We can't just look at the, you know, if, it's, if you're running a race and conditions are not, you can't, you can't just look at that. You have to look ahead. This is a faith journey, and it's not a sprint. You can't just do it in 60 seconds. It's a marathon, and it takes a lot of training. It takes a lot of time before God, talking to God, pouring your heart out. Allison Felix is a runner that we're going to see in the Olympics that are coming up in Rio. And one of the things she has said is it will be among her greatest joys in her fourth Olympics to run underneath the outstretched arms of Christ under the statue that stands so tall and is known throughout the world. And she says this because she's 31. Not, she's not saying this because she's 31, but she's 31. She's in what runners would call the twilight era of the track and field career. Now, that's young to me. Can I get an amen, please? Thank you. Thank you. But she is one of the most decorated track and field runners in history. The the FCA magazine that's just come out recently did an article on her. I see Julie's read it, apparently. And she talks about her relationship with her family, and her brother saw her determination to get things done when she was as young as eight years old. She started running because she looked up to her brother. She started praying because she looked up to her parents, who were a pastor and a teacher. She started not listening to the world around her and not losing heart when in high school they called her chicken legs. Well, chicken legs now has more Olympic medals than Michael Johnson or Carl Lewis. She persevered. She stuck with it, and she's running her race. She said in the article, I never expected to be a professional athlete. I really had to trust God and his plan for my life. We always have our own idea of how our life is going to go, but we really have to follow our Lord's will. I had to trust him in regard to injuries and other life situations. After her third Olympics, she was running in Russia, and she tore hamstring. And if you're, you're a runner and you've torn a hamstring, you know that I haven't done that, thankfully, but you, it looks painful. It looks terribly painful. And her brother came and picked her up. He's her manager. And he came and picked her up and he carried her off the track. And the whole way he said, God has this. She was reminded of placing her faith in God and trusting his plan. She's now going into her fourth Olympics And she is taking on the 200 and 400 race. And if she does this, and she wins a gold in both of these, which she's the defending champion in one, she will be only the third woman in Olympic history to do so, one of which is an American from uh, 1984 and the other, uh, a lady from France in 1996. So this has not been done frequently. This is a very difficult task to undertake. And her brother said, despite that hamstring injury, despite being 31, she's digging in. She's not backing off. She's digging in. She has planted her feet firmly in the vision that God has for her, and her words about these Olympics are this, 
I feel very blessed to have a platform and to try my best to run for a living and bring glory to God through that. Her whole focal point is on bringing glory to God. We're going to hear it from many different Olympic athletes, but part of what they have to do in order to win their race and part of what we have to do to win the the leg of the race that we're called to run is to look away from the agony. In the Greek, it's agon, or struggle. We have to look to the one who agonized on the cross for us, but yet kept his focus on our Heavenly Father. The one who gives us the strength to run the race that we have before us. So as we ready ourselves, we place ourselves in a position of focusing on the one who gave us that faith in God. The one whom we place our faith in, who went to the cross for us. We watch the way that he lived We look to him and we see how his endurance, his perseverance, his focus on God, not your will but mine, or I'm sorry, not my will but yours, Lord. How his focus stayed on the will of God. He he exercised discipline, dedication. In Philippians 2.8, Christ's suffering is described and it's embraced because of his complete devotion to becoming obedient to the point of death on a cross for us. He taught us how to set ourselves and take a position where we can set aside any impediment, any obstacle that might cause us to be distracted. In Hebrews 12, 12, there's a, a, a caution against having drooping hands or weak knees. It takes a lot of strength to run a marathon. Anybody in here run a marathon before? Y'all just need to give them a hand of applause right now. <laughs> that, is, that is so hard to do. And, and I can't imagine the focus that it takes to get through to the end, especially in the middle of a, a marathon. And, and I know there's a medical term for this, but you hit the wall, and it's essentially when you're kind of your blood sugar bottoms. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I got it right. Um, but but it's, it's, you hit the wall, and you just feel like you can't go on anymore. And somewhere in there, the runners in the marathons, who finish marathons every day, dig deep and find what it is that they need to run the race. We have anxieties, we have worries, we have fears. The world around us isn't what we want it to be. We have folks and we just see indifference in the world that is is just overwhelming. And yet the grace of God overwhelms us and allows us to keep running our race. In Hebrews 12.3, again, we're encouraged not to lose heart. We ready ourselves because of what Christ has done for us. David Davis says, all the days to come in a congregation's worship life ought to be more about him than about us. When we focus on Christ, not just through our worship here, but how we worship God when we leave here. Did you know you worship God when you leave here with how you live your life? 
But when we leave here and we worship God through the way we live, and when we focus on Him, on the joy of His obedience, the joy of His obedience, despite suffering on a cross and the shame He set aside willingly to go to the cross, when we focus on that, we can win the race. Derek Redmond is a 1992 Olympian, and some of you may remember him. Some of y'all are way too young to remember him, but he tore hamstring running in the race, and he, he fell to the ground, but he got up, and he started digging deep and doing what he had to to finish, and he was hopping on one leg, and the next thing you know, his dad comes running from the side. The officials tried to stop his dad, and his dad said, no, I'm getting to my son. And he put his arm around him, and he helped his son finish the race. God is waiting in the wings every single day so that when we fall, he's there to pick us up and help us run the race. Even when we're injured, even when we're hurting, when we're struggling, Remember the meaning of Emmanuel, God with us? He's always running right beside us. In Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 25, we read, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God, with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds and let us not give up in meeting together Some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. In Matthew 28, Christ told his disciples, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. For surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There is a lane that has a marker with your name on it. There's a baton that you're supposed to carry and only you can carry. And the race is set. It's already there. Christ has already won the victory. I have a friend who's a painter, and he, he was the, the, uh, one of the artists that was one of the official artists for the 96 Olympics here in Atlanta, and he painted a picture of a runner with his arms outstretched, and in the hands of the runner, there were holes where the nails had been. And behind him were all the runners that we know in the Olympics that have followed in victory, who have claimed God as their hope. It's an amazing painting. In the stands are the great cloud of witnesses cheering them on. 
So what do we do? When we get discouraged, close your eyes and think about that stadium full of the the people who have gone before you, who are cheering you on, who have run their leg of the race so that you can run yours. Focus on Christ who ran that race for us so that we all can run it and run it well. Hear the words of the cheers and the encouragement, not just of the runners there, but the runners around you. Focus yourself on Christ. Prepare yourself. Strengthen not just your your heart, but your mind, your body, so that you are equipped to go and do what God calls you to do. And as the buzzer sounds, and as the Marcus is heard for you to go, go. Knowing you're prepared, you've, you've prepared well. Go knowing that there's a leg of this race that you have to run and you're getting it to the next person. I can't tell you how many churches stand today because somebody cared enough a hundred years ago to persevere during a battle that a church faced. The church I left in Chatsworth, they were just about to go under. And the gentleman who has just retired as their trustee chair planted fields of cotton and gave all the proceeds to the church so they could keep their doors open for about four or five years. He and his family dug the basement by hand and they built the church. And they're still faithful every single Sunday. They take vacation, but, you know. They're faithful. They're, they're praying for their church, even when they're not in the pew. My prayer is that we are ready, that when the time comes, we will set ourselves in the right position so that we can run faithfully and that we will go where God has called us to go. So may we each run the race so that as in the words of 2 Timothy 4-7 read, we can say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you have given us so much, and you have charged us with taking care of ourselves, our talents, the people around us. Help us to focus on Christ, on what's important, and on what will leave an eternal fingerprint and footprint Lord, let us train our bodies, our minds, our hearts to be well-conditioned so that we might be in the optimum condition to run the race that you want us to run. We know, Lord, that when we stumble and when we fall, you are there. We know that when, when the conditions aren't optimum for running, Lord, we know that you're there. You're running right with us. You've got us. And we know that you've already run the race so that we can run it. Your son has already claimed the victory. May we carry that baton and tell that story to the next generation so that they can tell it to the next and the next and the next. And may we be faithful as we step out 
and run. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.